Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner Caroline Pope as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognized and well-known animal communicator, Caroline Pope. And welcome to Talking With The Animals, a podcast about all things animal communication. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. In today's podcast, I'd like to cover probably the most misunderstood thing about animal communication, and that is the species differences. Because we're human, we tend to assume when we communicate with animals that they'll understand us in the way we think we understand them. That is as a human. However, nothing can be further from the truth. You're not going to roll in horse poo and eat it. Your dog is. He's not going to jump on a podcast. You are. Species difference. As one of my cats once said to me, murdering birdies is good for my stress levels. You should try it sometime. Well, murdering birdies wasn't exactly going to do anything for my stress levels and drinking coffee wasn't going to do anything for the cat. Again, species difference. And this is something we need to consider with every animal. A cat and a dog are both predators. They're both carnivores. A horse and a rabbit are both herbivores. But they're all completely different species. Yes, the animals understand emotion. They feel emotion. Absolutely the same as we do. They feel grief. They feel joy. They feel a whole range of emotions but they do it through their own species parameters. And unfortunately, as humans, we tend to overlook this, particularly with the pace of modern life. Uh, the amount of times I'm told a horse is bad or is just being naughty, no animal will ever make life more difficult for itself than it needs to be in exactly the same way humans don't. You're either miscommunicating what you want, the animal doesn't understand, or very often, particularly in the case of horses, it's pain. But it's much, much easier for most people to blame the horse or the dog or the cat or whatever it is than actually stop and think, where am I going wrong? Why is my animal doing this? This isn't making life easy for myself or my animal. Where am I going wrong? A lot of horses have stomach problems, uh, particularly those that are stabled. So many people will say, oh, my horse, horse is a bad horse when I go to girth it up at bites. Well, it's got stomach ulcers. The way people ride horses, most ridden horses now, sadly, are pretty much finished their working life before they're 12. Go back 50 or 100 years when we were looking at using them long term, you were still often riding at 20 and 25. 
but the way we treated them, the way we looked after them, it was different. We also made time. We were realistic about our expectations. These days, many people expect to jump on a horse once or twice a week and then do really well in dressage, which to the non-equine is the equivalent of gymnastics. Just doesn't work that way comfortably. Yes, the horse may be able to do it for a little while, but at the body's expense. Then, of course, people go, oh, he's broken down or he's no good anymore. I'll offload him and get another. And they'll go through a horse every couple of years rather than stopping, looking, assessing where they're going wrong and changing their riding style or their husbandry style or both according to the needs of the horse. Probably one of the biggest things that's come up in the last 12 months is COVID puppies, as many people call them. Lots and lots of people decided that being in lockdown was a perfect time to get a dog. And yes, it certainly has benefits. In Melbourne, you couldn't buy a puppy. There just weren't any available. You couldn't even get a dog out of a shelter. Once lockdown finished, all the dogs are being dumped again. Now, the dog hasn't changed. Dogs are very good at being dogs. They excel at it, in fact. Now you go to, you're at home, you're having a lovely time, you're with your dog 23 out of 24 hours, the dog learns that this is the normal routine, everybody's happy. Then you get out of lockdown, all of a sudden you're back at work, you're leaving early in the morning, you're getting home late at night, you haven't been out of the house either so you're mentally exhausted after a day in the office and you probably want to catch up with friends seeing you haven't been able to do that either. The dog doesn't cope with the change in routine and people then surrender them back to the shelter and say it's a bad dog. No, the dog is exactly the same as it was three weeks ago. You have changed. You are different. And your dog is now paying the penalty for your stupidity. And unfortunately, I've seen this a lot. Our expectations of what we consider normal with dogs, cats or horses. Take, for example, a dog. Now, you have a little dog that goes meh, 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 meh and rushes towards a big dog in the park or on a lead and everyone thinks it's cute or it's funny because it's under five kilo. You can pick it up under one arm and take it away. No one thinks anything much of it. You get an 80 kilo Anatolian or a Great Dane, or a Subplanonac doing the same thing, rushing at someone and barking and growling, and people are, oh, put it down, it's a dangerous dog. The behaviour is identical. It is humans that have decided one is acceptable and the other is not. You have a cat that hunts mice. People think it's great, particularly if you're on a farm. That's what cats do. Everybody's happy if it murders a mousey. If the child's rabbit from next door gets under the fence and then a dog kills it, that's a really bad, dangerous dog, according to a lot of people. Both times, the animals are following their natural instincts. We are the one that have decided that one is acceptable and one is not species difference. You're not going to expect a horse to be able to jump on a computer and understand it. 
you're not going to expect a cat to. So why should you expect them to understand instantly what you mean? And people will say to me, oh, but you know, I'm tell- you can tell them this or that. Yes, you can. But even when you're using telepathics, people aren't always clear. They'll say to you, oh, I call a dog and I ask him to come. And they may well verbally say, Fido, come. But while they're calling him, mentally, they're expecting Fido to bugger off because I've just suddenly seen a rabbit. So they expect him to go after the rabbit or another dog. Or they think Fido will probably much rather go and swim in the dam rather than coming to them. Fido picks up on what the mental projection is as well or more than the words. So, of course, Fido thinks, you want me to go and chase that rabbit? Woo-hoo, I'll do that. Swim in the dam? Sounds great. I love that green slime on the top. And then the dog will do so. And then the human gets frustrated and blames the dog without realising why it's happening. I remember when I very first started teaching animal communication, the dog I had at the time, Tuvok, Uh, He really helped a lot. And he uh, said to me, start with yes, no questions. And I'll either give him a yes or a no to the students. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Let's do it. So one of the very first ones we did, the woman asked Tuvok, do I like the color green? Yes or no? Half the class got yes, half the class got no. And when I asked Tuvok, what was going on, I got a very disgruntled ask her. So when we asked the woman, she said, well, at first I thought, no, I didn't like green because I never wear green clothes. But when I thought about it, my kitchen's painted green. The woman was an artist and I do use green in a lot of my paintings. So I suppose, yes, I do actually really like green. So with what one would think is a simple answer, yes or no, It isn't necessarily. We change our thoughts a lot. What we call being polite. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yourself? You've just run over your cat. Your dog died yesterday and you're about to be evicted from your house. But you're not going to tell people that. Yeah, I'm great. Now, you know, we can call it lying because essentially it is. Or we can call it being polite. But your energy and your voice do not match. They're not congruent. And an animal will pick up on that. Animals don't do that. If you're having a bad day, they see you're having a bad day. They don't take it personally. But smiling and talking to someone while not liking them, that isn't a natural behavior for a dog or a cat. One of my previous dogs, it was always a dead giveaway because I'd be standing there and he'd be sitting at my feet snarling at the person. They always knew I didn't like them. It didn't matter what I did. Max was a mirror. It showed. We all do this without realizing we are always sending mental pictures to our animal friends. A lot of horse riders wonder why they do so much better when they're having an instructor than when they're practicing by themselves. And the instructor might say, right, go down the long side. When you get to, I don't know, letter H, you're going to collect your rain. When you get to S, you're going to start doing a canter, et cetera, et cetera. So what they're doing 
is as they're coming along the long side, they're mentally preparing, they're imagining when they're getting to that magic letter, they're going to pick up their own, put the leg on and ask the horse to canter. So of course, the horse is picking up on all of this. A lot of good trainers are people that actually project very well. 99 horses out of 100, I go to here, horse does this, So, of course, the picture becomes very, very clear. The horse picks up on it and goes, oh, that's what you want me to do. Fine, and off we go. Horse will do it very well for the trainer. But then, of course, the human gets the horse back and their perspective or memory is of every time they ask the horse to canter, it may pig root. So the horse who's never pig rooted for the trainer and he hasn't seen that behavior at all it may well happen while the owner's there. Again, it's what we're sending. This is the species differences. We have to be aware. Put Do a meditation sometime for those of you that meditate and put yourself in an animal body. You'll feel how differently they see the world. They move. Feel where they are within the body and in relation to the ground. Most humans are so disconnected from the earth. Most animals are not. And of course, this adds stuff on as well. Then you have the people that say, oh, it's not a dog, it's a four-legged human. And unfortunately, we're doing more and more of this. We have puppuccinos. I've even seen doggy weddings, don't start me. All these sorts of things. Now, little Fido might be very happy in his little coat. Sonny's, not so much. Um, Puppuccinos, most dogs I see um, that people have at cafes are not happy dogs. They're stressed. They feel out of control. They're tucked in under. Many people nearly stand on them. Have a look next time you see a dog at a cafe. Chances are it's not as happy as the owner thinks. But these are the things we like to do to dogs. Most dogs are very happy to go rolling in horse poo, chasing rabbits. I'm not saying chasing rabbits in stock is a good thing, but it's a natural canine behavior. But because particularly within a city living, we do this to our dogs and people have this completely unrealistic expectation. Go to a dog park and observe the dog's language. Most dogs there are not happy. A lot of what people consider play is not actual happy, relaxed play. People talk about dogs sorting it out in the wild. Generally, one wolf pack is 50 square mile, not kilometers for those in England and Australia and all the rest of that, mile. So that's generally in heavily populated Um, suburbs, that can be four or five suburbs. Within one suburb, you'll often get 20 to 30,000 dogs. And 15 or 20 of those may be in a very small off-leash dog park at any given time. It goes into sensory overload. We cope because it's our expectations, but it may not be the animals. Also too, one of the underrated and overlook things with domesticated dogs and cats that live inside is the EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies. 
I have seen these create massive behavioral and physical problems with dogs, including one of my own. And again, what a lot of people think of as behavioral and what I thought of with my dog as behavioral was actually an intolerance to EMF. When we put the filters in, it was literally like turning a switch on and off. The behavior changed instantly. It was a really, really big learning curve for me uh, and one that now I do tend to keep a close eye on when you look at dogs and cats, particularly cats that like to sit on modems. They're kind of like nice little kitty electric blankets in the middle of winter. These can affect your cats and behavior. And again, this is a species difference. We're smaller. Uh, The cats are smaller than we are. We need Wi-Fi. That is the reality in today's world. But the cats don't see it as Wi-Fi. The cats see it as a nice little electric blanket and may not make the association with some of the problems that can come with it. My cats and dogs love me swearing at my computer. I remember one of my dogs once left a bone outside and I said to her, why on earth are you leaving that outside? Because she was bone mad. And apparently it was much more interesting watching me get worked up and swear at an inanimate object, i.e. the computer that wasn't doing as it was told, than to eat her bone. Now for those of us that work, a computer that's not doing its job can be very stressful. For a dog, all you're doing is getting yourself worked up over a piece of essential plastic with a few electric wires. Again, This is a species difference. We need to keep these in understanding when we're working with the species. Walking into a room, making eye contact with a dog. As humans, if I'm in your house and I'm talking to you and I'm looking out the window and I'm not making any eye contact at all, you're going to think I'm rude because in the Western world, We consider the importance of eye contact. Walking into a room and making eye contact with a dog is acknowledging the dog as pack leader. You are sending a completely different message to the dog than most people realize. This is a species difference. So when you're next getting worked up about your dog or your cat or you think you're not doing things right, stop and have a think. What would a cat naturally do in the wild? Yes, I know they're in lovely dens for dogs and and great areas for cats and they don't have the predators and they they have well-trained humans and meals that come to them and all the rest of that. But all those instincts are still there. That all those species things are still hardwired into them. They still want to murder birdies for their stress levels. This is what cats do. So please, next time you're looking at an animal and getting frustrated, take a step back and try and understand why your animal is doing as it is. They're not trying to make life difficult. They're not being naughty. There is always, always, always a reason for the behavior. to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and like. 
If you have any questions, any comments, any topics you'd like me to cover in an episode, please drop me a line at caroline at caroline-pope.com. Thanks again for listening. And remember, until next time, learn to talk with the animals. Thank you for listening to Talking With The Animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator CST and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.